0: Father God, thank you for tonight. Thank you for a group of believers that are gathered together in the name of Jesus Christ, our King. Lord, I know that uh, during the week it's really distracting. And God, it's obvious to me why in the book of Acts that the believers gathered every single day. And that's because we become weak. God, we get our focus shifted away from you. And Lord, I just thank you for allowing us to come together on Wednesday nights, providing a place for us to meet God, what an incredible place you have provided, a place for us to meet, to encourage one another. God, to hear from your word. God, to to draw close to you, to worship you, to sing your praises. Now, these are phenomenal things that we get to experience. I pray that we wouldn't take those things for granted. We would recognize just how precious it is that we've got such a place to meet and to worship. God, I just thank you for it. I thank you for how it draws me back to you, how it gets my focus back where it needs to be. God, I know that work and all the stuff in life, God, it drags me away from you, but I just thank you for the fact that you uh, you are there, and you are within arm's reach, and you are there to pull me back close to you. God, what a great and honorable thing it is to have a king like you. God, we do love you, and we thank you so much for this precious word. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. So we continue tonight in the book of Philippians. Um, we... we we call this series The Bigger Picture, taking a step back, if you will, from the day-to-day stuff and the, the, the drudges of life. Um, I know that you know a lot of times we think just the little details in life, the little things that are going on, the, the, it's, just, it's just life. It's not really accomplishing anything. It's not really doing anything. But let me assure you that, that every little thing that's going on in your life is preparing you to be able to glorify God in some way. Every single thing, I mean literally, every single thing in your life, uh, depending on, on, on how you respond to it, you can glorify God through it. Whether it is a very positive thing, uh, getting a promotion at work, uh, getting an A in school, I mean a positive, obviously that is pretty easy to glorify God. You just say, it is nothing I did, but it is all because of the gifts that God has given me that has allowed me to do this, and I don't take any of the, the credit for it. It all belongs to Jesus Christ. Or... Or, like we talked about last week, the struggles in life and and the things that come against us. I mean, we all struggle. We all have things that, that break us down and make us feel like we're just on the verge of death sometimes. And And here we talk about Paul and, and his situation and being in, on house arrest, chained to a Roman soldier. And even that, he says, he says, be encouraged because I am in chains, which sounds so strange, but if you look at Paul and you look at his faith, it is encouraging the fact that he is in chains and he still has a strong faith and he still stays connected to God. So even the the desperate, awful times have the capability, if you will allow them to, to glorify God. Sometimes we miss that, right? Sometimes we don't see like how is it that, 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 that me uh, going to work here or, or, or me uh, having this co-worker, how does that, having a locker right above so-and-so, how does that glorify God? I don't really see that, but I think it's because we have our eyes closed sometimes. We have the blinders on, if you will, and we're not looking for God to be glorified in those situations. I, I am very fortunate to, to uh, I, I have a co-worker. Uh, he, I, I work in, in Hoover, Alabama, in Covington, Georgia, And in Covington, Georgia, there's two IT managers there. There's me and another guy. And I'm very fortunate. The the guy that uh, is the IT manager in Covington, I I love him dearly. I hope he's listening to this message, as a matter of fact, on podcast, But um, it was like a godsend for me. When, when When he stepped up and became the manager, it was prior to him, it was a guy who was a Hindu who happened to be my boss at the time. He actually takes another job back in California, and the guy that, that takes over for him is an extremely godly man. And I am like, this is a God sin. God has... Put this guy in this position, and he helps me out with some finances for, for what I have to do over there. And he, the, you know, he's like, I'll get this taken care, for, take care of for you so you don't have to worry about it. I'm like, man, this is a godly guy. And, and we, we talk about Scripture. And, I mean, today I had lunch with him, and we talked about Scripture and how good God was and, and, and all the situations that we've been in and all this kind of stuff. And we just spent an hour and a half at lunch talking about Jesus, and it was amazing. Well, the reason we had lunch today is because Friday is his last day at work. And I was like, oh, man, you got to be kidding me. You've got to be kidding this godsend, you know. And he's only been at the company for two years, and, and, and now he's leaving. And I told him. I said, Joel, I love you, but you are killing me, man. He's going off to Massachusetts, and he's, he's going there to, uh, to, to take on another job in a pharmaceutical business. And I, I was like, man, you are you're killing me. I need you here and you're going there. What are you doing? And he told me, he said, here, Here's the thing, man. He said, he said, I'm not going for the job. I'm going because I believe God's got something bigger in store for me uh, in Massachusetts, and that's the reason I have to go there. And I was like, Man, that stinks. <laughs> I hear you, but it stinks, right? Like, it sounds very godly and all, but for me personally, now, it's going to affect me, I don't like it very much. You know what I mean? Obviously, that's wrong to feel that way. Now, I'm confessing sin in front of you is that, man, this guy is going to Massachusetts because God has led him. So what did I do? I, I started listening to the Holy Spirit, and I told him, I said, man, your dad's a pastor, right? And he said, yeah. I said, and you like to, to write small group material, right? He said, yeah, man. He said, sometimes I start it and don't really finish it, but I, I do like it sometimes, and, and I do it just kind of out of obedience sometimes, and I'm like, and, and you can you can play music too, right? And he's like, well, yeah. I said, well, you know, there's not a whole lot of Bible, biblical Christian churches in Massachusetts, right? And he goes, yeah, we've been struggling to find one up there. It's like, I'm not telling you what God's telling you to do, but maybe, just maybe, since you can preach, and you've preached a few sermons in your day, maybe, just maybe, a church is may manifest out of this, that you may actually be called to be a pastor, that if I, was, if I was somebody and I was starting in a place that didn't have very many people that were Christians to come alongside me and help support and, 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 and be a church with me, I said, one thing I would hope for if I was going to be a pastor would be some singing abilities too, some musical talent, which I have none of, but apparently you've got. He's got a minor in music uh, with his degree, and I was like, I mean, I'm not telling you what God's telling you to do, but I'm going to pray that God reveals it to you and makes you sick until you respond to it. And he's like, that's what I want, man. That's what I want. So even in the midst of it making my life crazy because he's going to Massachusetts, he's obeying God and has a chance to glorify God, and when he starts Simple Church 2, we'll give him (laughs) accolades for following and obedience to Christ, and we'll partner with them in Massachusetts, and we'll go up there. And uh, I mean, if if he's listening to this sermon, I hope he is, um, I may just send it to him. Hey, man, I got something I want you to listen to. Uh, Anyway, so... Uh, Joel, if you're listening, buddy, we got banners we can supply you with. They see simple church on them. We got some bylaws you can copy and paste. Dude, look, we can work it out, man. Uh, But I I just want to tell you that, to tell you that, that, man, sometimes just in the day-to-day stuff, if I hadn't had this godly conversation with this man, if I hadn't taken him to lunch today so we could talk about what God was doing in our lives, I would have missed that. You know what I mean? Like, I wouldn't have seen the bigger picture of what God was doing and and the fact that I believe God is going to use Joel in some tremendous way up in Massachusetts. I don't know if he's going to be a pastor or not, but all I know is I can see he's going in obedience to God, not in obedience to some job, right? That's the reason he's going. He said, and I can't really talk to anybody else about that but you, but you understand what I'm saying, that there's something bigger going on here than just me taking another job some other place. I'm like, yeah, man, I understand. It really stinks for me, though, just in case you didn't hear me say that the first time. We miss it, don't we? We, we miss it sometimes. We miss what's going on. We miss what God's doing. And, 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 and Paul, in Philippians, he, he's, he's writing to a church. It's a Roman colony. It's about 10 miles south of Troy. Um, everybody's heard of Troy. Uh, it's not in Alabama. But anyway, so it, it's like 10 miles south of Troy, uh, and, and he's, he's talking to this church. And he's talking about how, man, we need to struggle together and, and how we can struggle together. We're not in this thing alone. And, and we talked about how they, they could identify with that as Roman citizens. They know what it means to, like, join forces and, and even conquer people, you know. Like, that's what the Romans did. They would go into a place and they'd take it over and, boom, you're Roman citizens. And everybody's like, okay, I don't know what that means. And they would say, boom, here's your taxes. <laughs> and they would go, oh, oh, I see what that means to be a Roman citizen now. Okay, I got it. But, but they understood what it meant to be united. And here, Paul is in prison, talking to a bunch of people, and he's trying to explain to them what it means to really be a church. And I think that we need to listen to this closely as Paul talks about what it means for the church, what, what they need to be doing, how they need to be focused. I want to tell you something really quick about your Bible. You, you see how there are like these little headings in between groups of verses? When Paul wrote it, he didn't write those in there. You know that, right? Like... I feel like I need to tell people that. They're like, did, did, when Paul was writing this, did he say, live as citizens of heaven? And then he would write stuff. I mean, he's writing a letter to the church of Philippi. I don't think that he actually said, live as citizens of heaven. Now I'm going to tell you how to do that, okay? We do that so it's easy to find stuff, all right? I, this is simple church. Sometimes I need to explain some things. And, and that's one of the things I want you to recognize. So with these divisions that are in here, they weren't necessarily the divisions that Paul had. I mean, there may have been breaks in a paragraph, if you will, written in orig- originally in Greek. I mean, it may have been breaks in a paragraph or whatever, but it wasn't a break in the thought like we have it delineated today. just want you to know that because sometimes we stop at the end and we're like, well, i got to start up here. And, and Connie went two verses into chapter two, and I, she's like, I'm pretty sure we've already covered those. Kenny, you don't need to cover those again. I'm like, well, maybe not, you know. And I, that was a joke. Anyway, so we uh, kind of but I want you to understand that it's, it's not like that, man. We just write. It's, a, it's a flow. It's a stream of consciousness from, from one thing to the next, and it all ties together. So we have to see that when we look at what Paul is saying. So I'm going to back up to Philippians chapter 1, verse 30. First, we're going to get a running start into Philippians chapter 2, even though we covered the first two chapters last week. So we're in this struggle together. You have seen my struggle in the past, and you know that I am still in the midst of it. Then he goes on. So we talked about the struggle. He goes on in chapter 2. He says, Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? I think this is a rhetorical question. Is there any encouragement for being in Christ? I mean, you think about Paul's in prison for preaching the gospel. Even though he's asking this question, I think he knows that there is indeed encouragement from belonging to Christ. Any comfort from his love? Is there anything that you can get from this relationship with Jesus Christ? Here I am in prison... And I believe he's asking this rhetorical question. Is there anything that we can get from this? Is is there any benefit from being in a relationship with Christ? Is there any benefit from his love? I mean, this is a guy who died on a cross, and and, and he's trying to talk to this church that, that they're trying to follow Jesus. or They're trying to do what Jesus said, and he's saying that there's more to it here. There's more to what's going on than what you can see. There's more benefit to it than than what you can wrap your mind around right now. You may not be able to see it clearly right now, but there's more to it than what you recognize. He says, he asks this this very important question right here, and I believe it's the theme of kind of what we're going to read uh, going forward a little bit, and that is, he says, any fellowship together in the Spirit, are your hearts tender and compassionate? So he asked asked about Christ, then he asked about the Spirit, being connected with the Spirit, the same Spirit all of us have, the same Spirit that existed in Paul lives in Christian believers today, communicating to us through his Word, that same Spirit that was talking to Paul, that told him to write this, in the same Spirit that reveals stuff as we read God's Word, helps us to think of things as as we hear God's Word spoken. It brought, draws things to our mind that, that God has done in our lives and in the same spirit. He says, we, we, we're, we're connected. We have fellowship together in the spirit. And he says, are your hearts tender and compassionate? A very important question here. I think Paul is saying, your hearts need to be tender and compassionate. Your hearts really need to, I mean, if we're going to struggle together, then we have, to, we have to be compassionate towards one another. I think we miss this a lot of times, don't we, as a church, as a church, we, we niceties, all that kind of stuff, hey, how you doing, man, hope you're doing all right, uh, I hope everything's going all right at home, but how often do you, do you sit down and get to know somebody, like, like the conversation I had with Joel today, how, long, how often do you get to sit down and know about his struggles know about the things that he's dealing with in his life and be able to listen to the Spirit, the same Spirit that he listens to, and go, hey, Joel, it may be that God's calling you to something bigger that you can't even see right now. That, 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 that the reason maybe you didn't feel at one point in time like you were called to be a pastor is because you thought there was only one way to do it and you got tired of the bureaucracy and all the ways you thought church had to be done. I'm here to tell you I've done something different and God has been blessing it and maybe God is calling you to do something different too. Maybe he wasn't calling you to be a traditional type pastor. Maybe he was calling you to, 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 to be a, a, kind of this new marketplace pastor. And I don't have time to get into that today, but maybe God's calling you to a different kind of church, to start a different kind of church in a different kind of place like Massachusetts. He says, if we're truly connected by the Spirit, he says, then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, working together with one mind and one purpose. Uh-oh, I think he said working, working. Oh, Kenny, I didn't sign up for no work. I thought we were supposed to come here on Sunday and Wednesday. I'm here on a Wednesday. Kenny, that's work enough getting here on Wednesday at 6 o'clock. Are you kidding me? Church service don't usually start until 6.30. Y'all started at 6 o'clock. It's work enough getting the kids here at 6 o'clock. I don't think that's the kind of work he was talking about. Do you? The guy that's in prison, chained to a Roman soldier, and he talks about work getting to church on Sundays and Wednesdays. You think that's really what he considers to be work? Now he's talking about labor. He's talking about fighting and struggling together and and, and reaching out to people even when it's difficult, doing all the things that Christians are supposed to do when they love Christ and are connected together in the same spirit, in the same spirit of God, that that these people are are, are really struggling to make sure the word of God is known and and that people realize the love of God, that they're reaching out to people in the name of Jesus Christ so that they know that, that he's the one that's responsible for what's going on in this church. I'm talking about work. I'm talking about doing something. Not just showing up, doing something. Paul says working together. He doesn't just say showing up, meeting together, does he? He he doesn't say every once in a while get together and pray with one another. He doesn't say come to small groups uh, about once a month. He, he, He says work every day together. Work together. Work. It's labor. It's hard. It's hard. I know church is supposed to be hard. Well, you've never shared the gospel with somebody then. Uh-oh. Did I say that? It is hard, isn't it? It is hard. Sharing, sharing Jesus with somebody, talking to somebody about Jesus, it's hard. It's hard. It's work. It is. Finding a way to incorporate Jesus into a conversation. It's hard. It's work. It's labor. Paul says, yeah, you can make me truly happy. If you'll work together, be of one mind, one spirit, working together for this one purpose. What is the purpose? The purpose is Jesus Christ. So he has to, he has to impress upon them what they have to do in order to get there. And this is what he says. Don't be selfish. Oh, Kenny, you can stop right there. Do an altar call right now. Don't be selfish. I'll be the first one down here. Don't be selfish. Anybody struggle with that? not me, I don't have any issues with that at all. Don't try to impress others. Hmm. You mean I can just pray and admit Joel and I. Were, I need to get on Joel, but he and I had a very godly conversation today, and I can't help but to share it with you guys. We were talking about praying, and he's, and, and I, I told him, I said, Joel, you took the pressure off me for the meal. I said, Normally, everybody looks at the pastor and He's the one supposed to pray. He's the one who prays in front of everybody. I ain't supposed to do it because I'm not used to praying in front of people. I said, You just stepped up and said, Hey, you mind if I pray? I said, Yes, you can. Yes, you can. I have to beg people to pray when we go out to eat or whatever. Will you pray, please? Please, will you pray in front of somebody? I know there is a whole table full like five people here, and I know it is labor, and it is struggling for the gospel of Christ, but will you pre- please pray for the table? Sweat. <laughs> right out on their head, right? You want me to talk to God in front of four other people? This is, this is a Kenny sarcasm that nobody likes. You want me to pray in, to God to God in front of like for other people. Yep, yep. And, and he and I had a conversation. This is what Joel and I said. He said, you know what I tell people? He says, you don't have to pray a big fancy prayer. If you pray a big fancy prayer, it's because you're showing off for somebody else, not because not, not you're talking to God. I said, I know, that's what I tell them. If you can talk to me, you can talk to God. If I'm your friend and you can talk to me, why can you not talk to your friend who's in heaven? And why, I mean, like, if we were in a group of people, it doesn't seem like, If they're telling a story, they have a problem telling me a story with four other people around. They can talk to me in that sense, but talking to God in front of somebody else, that's a problem? I know, look, I know it freaks people out. I got it. You know how you get better at it? You do it. You you know how you get more comfortable with it? You do it. Don't be selfish. Try not to impress others. You don't pray to impress anybody. You pray because you talk to God and because He's worthy. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Now, this this is not something a Roman citizen would have really embraced, okay? He's telling them that this is going to go against your nature to think of somebody else as better than you. Because Romans, man, they came in, they would conquer people, take them over, wipe them out, whatever it took. So they took, it was stepping on other people's backs to get whatever they wanted. And he's saying, he can't do that anymore, that, that's not what it means to be of the mind of Christ. Look, look at what he says. He says, don't look out only for your own interests, but take, others, uh, but take an interest in others, too. He says, don't, don't be just looking out for number one. Isn't that, isn't that what the world teaches? You look out for number one. Those people are going to take care of themselves. You just look out for you. Man, can you imagine if Jesus had that mentality? I'm going to take care of number one. All those other people, they can take care of themselves. Those other people are you and I. And I'm very thankful that he took care of me. So if I'm going to be of the mind of Christ, then I need to be of that same mindset that if I'm going to live and try to aspire to to reach the goal of becoming like Christ, and and he's the standard that I know that I'll never reach, but he's the one I continue to strive for. If he is really up there and he is the primary focus of what I'm supposed to do, shouldn't I do what he did? Shouldn't I live with that mentality that, that I should put everybody else first and not step on other people's backs? Now now this is not the mentality in the corporate world. Conversation with that today too. The mentality and this is this is what Joel said to me. He said he said I can it, it's nice that I'm going to be a director he said but that's not really what's important to me. He's going to Massachusetts he's going to become a director and he said that's not really the main thing that's not the main reason I'm going. He said but you're the only person I can tell that to that will understand what I'm saying. And I'm like, I get it, man. I just got a promotion. Joel knows I got a promotion. We were on a conference call, and he's the one that said, man, this is a well-deserved promotion, and and, and it was like, I got a promotion, and that's wonderful, and I I give God the glory and the credit for it and all that, but but it's not the biggest thing in my life, And, and we were talking. I was like, man, you know, if you become a workaholic and, and you're working all the time, and this seems to be the mentality in the corporate world that you've got to work at least 60 hours, if not 80 hours a week, that if you do that, then, then you're really dedicated. You're really a focused employee. And I go, I think that that works against your testimony. And Joe was like, I agree. He said, he said man, it shows your priorities are all out of whack. If you're focused primarily on, on your work and not focused on Christ, that will be evident. It will be. You won't be able to hide that. You won't be able to to cover that up. People will know that Wednesday night when it's 6 o'clock and you're still there, they will know. And it's going to affect your testimony. But when people say, you know what, I'm going to ask off on Wednesday, even if it means I have to work on Saturday. Oh, Kenny, don't go crazy. Kenny, that's my weekend. Don't mess with my weekend. Think about what it does to your testimony. You say, Can I have off on Wednesday? I'll work for whoever on Saturday so I can be off on Wednesday and Sunday. It's work, it's labor, it's hard. So the world teaches you got to step on whoever's back, you got to push your way to the top, you got to do whatever it takes, man. Slam people to the ground if it's necessary, put other people down. Make other people look lower than you so you can look more elevated. And Jesus says it's right the opposite if you're a Christian. Paul's talking about Jesus and his mentality. He says in verse 5, you must have the same attitude that, Jesus, that Christ Jesus had. Listen to this. Though he was God, he did not think of equally with God as something to cling to. Oh man, this, this, this is crazy when you think about it. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges he took the humble position of a slave and was born as a, hum, a human being. What divine privileges did, did, did Jesus give up when he came to the earth? Just shout something out. Everybody's like, I don't know. What was it like to live in heaven? Perfect. In heaven, he didn't have to deal with a sinful body, did he? He was just perfect. Jesus was tempted, by the way. Now, he didn't succumb to the temptations, but he was tempted, right? In in heaven, he didn't have no temptations. When he was God, you know, it was like, I'm good. He had divine privilege there. When it came to... You know I like Romans chapter 8. I'm going there. I feel like I need to read this to you. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving His Son as a sacrifice for sins. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied in us who no longer follow our sinful nature but instead follow the Spirit. God did what we could not do in the flesh. He came in in the form of the flesh so that, so that, that He could be the sacrifice for us. He gave up his divine privilege to not having to deal with the flesh, and he came in the flesh for the purpose of being a sacrifice for all of us. What's another divine privilege that I can think of one big one. Anybody starts with a D? Emotional pain, suffering. Any I mean, emotional, physical pain? Absolutely. Uh, not just the temptation in the physical body, but also physical pain that ultimately led to his Death, right? He didn't have to suffer death when he was God in heaven. As he came to a man, what did he have to endure? Death. Death. Death came into the world because of who? Because of us, right? Because of our sinful nature and who we are. And we're all born into death. We are born into the sinful nature that leads to death. And God came to the earth for the purposes of being the sacrifice so that we could have eternal life. He endured death so that we wouldn't have to. He came in the form of a slave. A king became a slave so that you and I could be seen as kings. Does that even, that doesn't even make sense, does it? How many, how many kings do you know that will come down off their throne, become a slave so they can put somebody else up on the throne in their place? ain't many that I know of. Most kings like their position. You know that this separates us from all the other religions of the world, right? This is what makes us unique. Because God came to us. All the other religions are about us going to Him. And, and, and this one, this Christianity that we follow, and we believe in this Christ Jesus that we follow, it's about Him coming to us. It's about him not only coming to us, but dying for us, humbling himself, taking away all of his divine privileges so that he can become a slave. To serve who? To serve every single one of us. To serve every single one of us. How do we have the right, then, to think of ourselves as better than anybody else? How do we have the right? If we're going to have the mindset of Christ, how do we have the right to elevate ourselves and push everybody to the bottom? If we're gonna be like Christ, shouldn't we push everybody to the top and push ourselves to the bottom? Isn't that what Jesus did? I want you to think about. I want you to think about Paul when he's writing this. He says, Don't think of yourselves too highly. Put everybody else first. Think about where he's sitting right now writing these words. Chained to a Roman soldier, he can smell him, he can look into his eyes. This Roman soldier represent, re- represents the reason that Paul is in chains. And he's saying, this man chained to me is better than I am. If I'm going to be like Christ, then I have to elevate this man. I have to make, lift him up, build him up, and make myself small. How many of us could do that, chained to a Roman soldier and say, you know what? He deserves to be elevated, and I deserve to be made small. He says, you know Why? I can do that. It's because Christ Jesus did it for me. Christ Jesus did it for me. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names. And that that at that name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. When Paul's writing this, I believe that he has in mind that this place that I live is my temporary place. It's my temporary home. It's, it's not where I will spend all of eternity. And because of that, I can lift other people up because ultimately I will be with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. I will be with them. I, I have an inheritance that is, that is a kingdom. I'm already headed there. So why, if if I'm already headed towards an inheritance that gives me everything for all of eternity, why in the world would I be trying to step on other people's backs and trying to elevate myself right now? What I should be doing is pushing them to the top, becoming a slave like Jesus Christ, and showing them that they too can be part of this eternal kingdom where they can have everything in the presence of God. But it's not natural. It's it's not natural to do that. The natural tendency is to think, woe is me. Look at my poor, pitiful condition. Look at where I am. Look at how bad I struggle. Push everybody else to the side and say, I'm going to focus on me. I'm going to worry about me. I'm going to take care of me. They can take care of themselves. Paul says, no, not if you're going to be like Jesus. Jesus. The word Christian means Christ-like. That means to be like Jesus. Are we like Jesus? Are we like Jesus? Is that the mentality that we have? Is that the heart we have? Is that, are we following the Spirit so that the Spirit connected us together for the purpose of laboring for Christ, for laboring for the kingdom of God, pushing everybody else to the top, suffering, doing whatever it takes to bring other people into that kingdom? Could you say that today sitting in that chair? Could you say that today? In Paul's day, chained to a Roman soldier, worried about everybody else. Could you do it? Let me pray. Father, thank you, God, for your precious word and the testimony of Paul and the fact that in the midst of his struggle, he was worried about everybody else and not himself. Here he is in prison, and and what is he doing? He's writing a letter to encourage fellow believers and to teach them and show them what it means to be a Christ follower. I pray that we would hear these words, God, and they would echo loud in our ears, and we would be more like Jesus Christ and less like ourselves. God, that we would step back for a minute and and see all the struggles and the pain and the difficulties that we go through and say, you know what, there may be something else going on here. There may be a bigger picture that I'm not seeing. God, I believe that the only way, the only way for us to see more clearly what you're doing is that we humble ourselves and see everybody else is better than ourselves, We do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in all things consider others better than ourselves. I pray that we do that in our lives. Not just read these words, God, but I pray that we live like that. I know it's hard work. I know it's difficult. I know it's not natural. But I also know that through the power of your Holy Spirit, we have the ability, we have the power that exists within us to say, God, help me strengthen my faith Draw me to you. Show me your way and not my own way. God, take me away from the flesh and draw me closer to the Spirit. God, I pray that we'd be people like that, bonded together, struggling with one another, working together for the cause of Christ. God, help us to exalt everyone else. Help us to be humble. In Jesus' name, amen. Everyone, please stand.